Hi, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the film critic for the website Quipster.net. I invite you to check out all of my written work at that site, Quipster.net, where you can find all of the latest new releases as well as classic films, foreign films, independent movies, and more. Quipster.net's where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be looking at kind of one of those independent films. It's called Captain Fantastic. It's a comedy slash drama. R-rated film for language and brief graphic nudity. The runtime's an hour and 58 minutes. The main star is Viggo Mortensen with supporting roles going to George McKay, Samantha Eiler, Annalise Basso, Nicholas Hamilton, Shree Crooks, Charlie Shotwell, Trin Miller, Catherine Hahn, Steve Zahn, Frank Langella, and Missy Pyle. The director and screenwriter is Matt Ross. As I mentioned, Viggo Mortensen is the main star. He plays a man named Ben Cash. He's a father of six whose ages range from six to 18. He's been living off the grid in the remote, dense wilderness of the Pacific Northwest as part of some sort of self-imposed counterculture exile. They're all living off mostly what's out there in nature in a very ritualistic fashion. They're hunting, they're farming, they're gathering, they're rock climbing, survivalist training is going on, they're keeping physically fit, it's almost like a boot camp in that way, but they're also trying to stay mentally agile. They learn from some of the great thinkers and philosophers of all time, some of them quite revolutionary and controversial even to this day, while reading their books around the campfire. They're all anxiously awaiting the return of Ben's bipolar wife, Leslie. She's in a hospital in her hometown in New Mexico trying to be cured of this disease during her hospital stay, but word comes back to Ben that Leslie unfortunately has taken her own life. Although the father-in-law named Jack, played by Frank Langella, he blames Ben for poisoning his daughter's mind and his grandchildren as well with his cultish hippie beliefs. Jack explicitly tells Ben to stay away or he's going to get arrested. Nevertheless, Ben is not going to be left out in the cold. He ends up packing the family bus and the septet vacate their bohemian digs and they're off on the long road trip to crash the funeral. The kids who've spent their entire lives away from any form of other civilization not found in their novels or textbooks, they find so-called civilized society to be a crazier place than they've ever imagined. Those of you who've read some of the critical press for this film know that Mortensen is getting the lion's share of the credit for why this film ends up working. He shines in the lead role as this leftist who left us to live a life for him and his family as he sees fit without the persistent pressures to homogenize to a society that scorns at those who determine to think and live differently than the rest. Ben, at first, is seen as a sympathetic figure because we see only his point of view. We see him later through the eyes of others who are less approving of his anti-authoritarian views and his aggressively progressive approach to educating his children. You, too, will at that time begin to question what actually is right and wrong in terms of the child rearing, when what's healthy and what's harmful in terms of walking the walk when it comes to non-conformity to the rest of society. One could say, in a way, it's kind of a modern take on that film from Peter Weir from the mid-80s called The Mosquito Coast that starred Harrison Ford. In fact, Matt Ross said that he had Harrison Ford in mind, a young Harrison Ford in mind when he was writing this, no doubt due to films about societies that live out of the realm of so-called civilization, such as in the Mosquito Coast, as well as Witness, which came out within about a year of each other. 
This one, though, has an anti-religious protagonist, unlike the Mosquito Coast. So it's kind of a, an inverse part because Ben is definitely anti-Christian, whereas in the Mosquito Coast, that definitely was much more of the impetus for why he wanted to get away from society, thinking that the ills of the world are too much for him and his children. Now, Ben takes instilling autonomy and self-fulfillment within his children to such an extreme, some might say it actually borders on putting them in danger. Now, while the acting in Captain Fantastic is excellent, with surprisingly raw emotional moments nailed quite well by these children, the quirk-filled story enters into some uneven territory from time to time. Most often, when writer-director Matt Ross goes for a case of the cutes, sometimes trying to be a little bit too funny with the material, we get such things as a celebration of Noam Chomsky Day, which is actually something Matt Ross does celebrate in his own house on December 7th. This is an effort to supplant Christian holidays like Christmas, So we have a so-called socialist philosopher to be celebrated in place of what ended up being the most capitalist of holidays, at least in the U.S. They also get a, a gift exchange of hunting knives for all the kiddos. That's cute and that's novel, but it does undercut the ability for us to take the story at all, as serious as Ross would sometimes like us to take it. The same goes for scenes such as one in which Ben fakes a heart condition in order to provide enough distraction to allow his children to steal food from a grocery store. This was dubbed Operation Free the Food. Ben could have lost the rights to his children in order to take a relatively paltry amount of food that they could presumably have afforded with the nest egg that they've been living off of whenever necessary. Scenes of such unfiltered eccentricity involves the consumption of such things as a raw deer heart or the indoors shooting of a bow and arrow, a scene in which there's a proposal of marriage to the first person that the oldest son develops a feeling for, those parts feel manufactured for our immediate reaction, whether they're going to be funny or maybe shocking, more so than something that has an honest development that we would see three-dimensional characters choose to partake in. Nevertheless, I do think Ross's film fares far better the more that he stays away from these kinds of contrived scenes of humor, especially during some of the more emotional and downbeat moments of the film. The characters can often come off as idealized, but Ross still taps into touching elements around them. Nonetheless, this is not a film full of great energy or power, but it does often encroach as affecting for its characters, especially in the children who still manage to be kids and desire to be so, even when Ben has been programming them to be grown up from birth. Whereas the kids that they meet who've grown up in society desperately want to do adult things. We see a young teenager smoking. They're trying to engage in sexual activity. Meanwhile, Ben's kids steal moments where they can when Ben's not watching, which is very rare in the very insular society that he's created for them. But now that they're out and about, they have little moments where they can live carefree and just as fun as a child. They want to experience such things as Christmas or when Ben's not watching, we even see a child watching a TV show or playing a video game, something that they could never do at home. So, you know, in in a way, that's almost like their act of rebellion. There is a seed in which two of the kids have their own little rebellious streak. They learn a language that's not really known by the others. The two eldest sisters speak to each other in Esperanto, but Ben won't allow them to do that. 
that because they can only speak languages that are known by everybody else. That's kind of one of the irony of the movies. Ben wants his children to be independent, but if the child wants to do something on their own, such as learning Esperanto or becoming a part of society, if they want to join society by their choice, he adamantly denies their attempt to make that decision. Can they truly claim to be independent if they want to be dependent and they are denied that opportunity? Ben determines that the best way to raise his children is to dedicate every waking moment to doing that, but the film does explore that sometimes there is such a thing as doing too much for one's children as a parent, to be too much in control of their destiny. Now, if you can take Captain Fantastic as a heartfelt dramedy that has occasional whimsical flights of fancy, I think that you as the viewer will come a long way to enjoying what is actually a very unique, refreshing, entertaining, and thought-provoking film. Now, while those moments of contrivance that I spoke about earlier might make or break the film for some viewers, it's for the moments where the film delves into some important life truths that makes it more than worthwhile for those willing to see beyond the artificial attempts to amuse to get to the genuineness of the poignant thematic material underneath. Ross is clearly sympathetic towards Ben, but he's also objective enough to see Ben not as an idealized man who's always in the right, or on the other side of the equation, the father-in-law, Jack, as the villain who's in the wrong because he's imposing his belief system on the daughter who rejected those beliefs. But Ross sees them both as the complex kind of persons that we, as humans, all are. We think we all know the answers ourselves to how to cure the ills of society if only we had the decision-making power. And... We are the only ones to truly understand the right way to raise our own children. You know, these are things that everybody tries to instill in their children, their own belief systems. But a film like Captain Fantastic really wants to take a close look at how much should we really be imparting into our own children to make them independent thinkers or to make them have their own lives in the end. Even somebody like Ben, who wants at all costs for his children to have their own lives, seems to be very controlling in how they perceive that independence, I guess. Ben wants his children to be prepared for anything in life, but the one thing he has yet to teach them, perhaps because he hasn't really learned it himself, is the ability to be part of the world that they are born into. Self-determination can often lead to self-delusion if our only basis for how to proceed is determined wholly by others and the thoughts and the philosophies of everybody else. Ben thinks that the actions that he and his children engage in, at the very end of this film, I won't go into spoilers, but they make a determination to do something at the end of this film that they feel is the unquestionably right thing to do. However, if you look at those events from the perspective of, say, Jack, the father-in-law, you can see how horrific and hurtful those actions can seem to the core beliefs and emotions of those with a different point of view. Indeed, we get several scenes in this film in which Ben is trying to free up the minds of others around them, and yet he's also running over those belief systems that other people are trying to impart into their own children by their own choice with the subtlety of a steamroller. One of the things that this film actually explores, too, is that if we as humans are concentrating on making those aspects of ourselves strong 
in one thing or several things, we also leave ourselves vulnerable in other areas. For instance, Ben instructs his children to never use a particular word when it comes to describing something. In this case, the word is interesting, but it's a hard word for me to avoid as a critic when it comes to the movie where such an adjective is labeled as taboo, precisely because Captain Fantastic is very much interesting. It just means that there are things here to make you think. There, it's interesting. It captures your attention. It you know, captures your mind, even for a moment. It's a perfect word in some respects. I disagree with Ben in that case. So when it comes to Captain Fantastic, you know, it, it is flawed in some respects. But I do think that that's okay. People are inherently imperfect, and so is this movie that explores this theme. It's only through such things as love, which often demands the acceptance of flaws to maintain that love, that we progress into this higher plane of bliss, even if it is within the acceptance of the flawed society in which we live. In the end, we all do the best that we can. And while love is not something that you can truly feel just by reading a book or watching a film like this one, the ways in which Captain Fantastic captures that sense of humanity on occasion makes it seem like love could be achievable just through watching a movie. Three and a half stars is what I'm giving. Captain Fantastic. Three and a half stars on my scale means that I think that it is a good movie. It had the potential to be what I consider to be a four-star movie. But because of those overreaching moments on occasion, I think that I'm going to have to curb that a little bit down. Even though I think there are some moments in here that are some of the best moments I've seen this year in films. So I won't tell you that this is a perfect film by any means, but... I will tell you, it is definitely worth seeking if this sounds at all interesting to you. Three and a half stars for Captain Fantastic. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you did, I do encourage you to click the subscribe button, and you'll continue to get all of my reviews downloaded through the course of the year. Also, if you happen to be on iTunes, leave a review. I just got another review from somebody living in Great Britain. Thank you so much to DK for saying very kind things about the show. And so it, it's interesting to get people from all parts of the world listening to the show and chiming in. It actually makes me feel really good about continuing the show. So I thank you. If you want to support the show monetarily, you know, it, it definitely does cost a lot of money for me to watch all these movies and to host my website as well as the podcast. So it, anything that you can contribute can definitely help. Patreon.com slash Quipster is where to go. 